If you have a Bible, I'm going to read an account, a very famous account of what we call the Thieves on the Cross, and it's found in Luke 23. Luke 23. Um, it's about four or five verses here. We're going to read a very famous story of the two men who were crucified on either side of the Lord Jesus Christ on that Friday afternoon uh, outside of Jerusalem. And so we're just going to read the account here. It tells us quite a bit, uh, and it would be useful tonight just to speak in the Gospel uh, using this story. So Luke 23, if you can find that, Luke 23, we're going to begin reading at verse 39. Luke 23 and verse 39. Luke 23 and verse 39, this is what it says. And one of the malefactors, or, or really you could place there that word, if you were to use it today, would mean criminals. One of the criminals which were hanged, railed on him, that's the Lord Jesus, saying, If you're the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered, rebuked him, and said, Don't you fear God, seeing that we're in the same condemnation? He says, And we're getting what we deserve. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. We're getting what we deserve. But this man had done nothing wrong. He's done nothing amiss or nothing out of place. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Everyone agrees that Jesus Christ died. Uh, You say most people. Or most people here, I take it. If you don't, it's okay. I'm not going to call you out, right? Most people, most people are, we would agree, you know, you go to different, different countries and, and different, different, as it were, parts of society. People would take it that this is a well-known fact of history, that a man named Jesus Christ died on a cross. I guess where we're divided, or, or we wonder why, is why did he die? And, and what are the implications on your life and on mine? What, what was the reason? That's where we lose harmony and then it seems to split up from there and, and we're just not sure. So the reason I take this story here tonight and the reason I talk about this is because we've read of a man here. He's the last man to be with the Lord Jesus Christ on earth and he's the first man to be with Jesus Christ in heaven. He's a unique man, unique guy. Right? Think about that. You think about in your own life. Who would be the, the person you'd want to spend your last minutes on earth with? Say, if you got to pick anyone, who would they be? Well, you'd say it's someone you'd love. Right? You wouldn't want to be a complete stranger. But Jesus Christ chose a man who was not only a criminal, but that he had just met a couple hours before. His last man to spend time with on earth, and the first man that they saw in heaven was this man. And so I just want to phrase my my message tonight that a criminal goes to heaven. I actually wanted to say a criminal goes to Cielo, because then it would be C's, right? But we're not all Spanish speakers here tonight. So, But a criminal goes to heaven, right? Unique. Because if I asked you and I said, who goes to heaven? You'd say, the religious go to heaven. You'd say, I got a good friend, he's a pastor, he's going to heaven. You'd say, have you met my priest? 50 years in the ministry, he's going to heaven. You'd say, you haven't met my grandmother. You'd say, she goes to the Mass every Sunday, she's never missed, she's going to heaven. Well, the Bible tells me that here, the first man in heaven was a criminal. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ, because I want to leave you with His words, He said this, I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call sinners. And so Christ here, this man, you say, who goes to heaven? It's sinners. And, and so I ask you, as I would ask myself, if I take away my church attendance, if I took away every single prayer I've ever uttered, if I took away every penny I've ever given to a church, a charity, or anybody in need, if I took away everything that I have done, Would I have enough to make it to the place where the streets are paved with gold if I took away everything that I have done? Everything that I ever did was only taking me down to a place called hell. But the day that I put my trust in the one thing that Christ did for me when He took my place at Calvary and died for me is the only thing that will take me to heaven. So yes, if I got rid of everything that I have done, I would still be guaranteed heaven because heaven is guaranteed to me because Christ took my place at Calvary because he died for my sins. And so this man is a unique. We look at this individual, this criminal who went to heaven, and you say all the things that we count important in life, he doesn't have. What's his name? No one knows. Who's his family? We don't know. Where was he born? Where did he go to school? Where did he get his masters? No one knows. What was his biggest paycheck? No one knows. You say, where did he make confession? How many times a week did he make confession? No one knows. No one cares. You say, who was his family? Who was his name? What did he do wrong? No one knows. What did he do right? No one knows. In fact, if you look at this man, if he had died on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday of that week, you'd say he'd be a hopeless man. But because he died on Friday, he died next to the Savior. You say, what a man. You say, all the things that we include and we consider so significant in this man, you say, aren't there. All the things that we say maybe have placed us above some of the other individuals in society. It never tells us about his his morals. It never tells us about his convictions. It, It never tells us about anything that we consider so significant in this life. And yet he's the first man to be in heaven. And so I just want to look tonight... I would ask you, is there anybody here who doubts this man's in heaven? Anybody here? Just uh, be honest with me. Is there anybody here who, who doubts that this man is in heaven? If somehow we could get the divine registration tonight, the registrar, and say, is this thief in heaven? Is there anybody who doubts that he is not there tonight? I don't expect a yes or an amen, although it would be appreciated. But you know what? If you don't doubt that, then you know what? If he's there, you'll be there for the same reasons that he's there. No different. Right? He's going to be a pattern. This man. The first man to enter heaven. You say, I just want to talk about three things that are mentioned here. Just three things that are significant about this man. And you'd say, they could still be applied to my life. Three things that are so significant about him. And I just want to go through them quickly in the next 15 minutes here. He's someone who is guilty... And he's someone who is helpless. You say, he's guilty, obviously, he's on a cross. He's guilty and he's helpless, he's nailed to a cross. Sometimes we, 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 we look at that and we say, to, to figure out the guilt, you say, we, sometimes we take it, and, and I, I know a number of things, I don't want to mock anybody, or I don't want to draw attention to any certain religious groups or that, but, but sometimes you ask people about heaven, and it's as though guilt wasn't involved. 
It was just, uh, I said the right formation of words. I prayed at the right time. You know, I, 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 I gave the Lord Jesus Christ something. This man didn't give Christ anything. He didn't pray a prayer. He didn't have the right formation of words. I don't think that he prepared them. But when I look at him, I find one thing that is so significant about everything else is that he didn't have to hide his guilt. It was framed in words right above his head. And so when I look at him, you say, God saves people. God saves people for who they are, not for who they think they are. I, 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 if I could express that to you, that if I wanted to, if I said, if you said to me, Dave, are you saved because of because you're preaching tonight, or, or Dave, are you saved because of what you've donated in your time to a church, or Dave, are you saved because of of, of how good of an individual or citizen or a neighbor you've been? You see, all those things are are wonderful, but all those things are losable. If God saved me for how well I sing. Well, my soul would rest somewhere else but heaven because I can't sing for beans. If God saved me because I had accumulated uh, such a stature and such a figure in society, you know, half the people in town don't even know who I am. You say, when, when, when I'm dead and gone, you know, I'll be lucky if my own family can remember my middle name. You say, no, if those things were the reasons that God would save me, they're all losable. And you'd say, I'd all have to attain unto them. If I told you salvation tonight, was offered to you if you could somehow if you could somehow maybe make me out a check for $5,000 how many people would do it? Uh, maybe some of you would if you were foolish but you'd have to have five grand see God says that he came into the world to save the guilty and you know what that means? I was qualified from birth from the day I was born from the day I was born I was a candidate for heaven because I was guilty before they could give me my name out of the womb, I was guilty. And it qualified me for the, for the greatest possession on earth, eternal life. Because it says there that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That when we were yet without strength, without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And, and it's, a, it's a mark that few, few people say... You know, we're, we're in groups. We work at places. We fellowship at places. We join clubs because we get along with the other people that are there. It, it makes sense that they're on a similar level as we are. And when I tell you that people who kill and people who abuse and people who have been, as it were, the scum of society are in heaven, sometimes we actually think, I don't want to be there. I read an article the other day of a man who said, if those kind of people are in heaven, why would I want to be there? The only reason I want to be in heaven is because the only man who took my place and died for me is there. You know, I have family there. That's a wonderful thing, right? I have family I never got to talk to that they're there. I have family that you'd say, they're, oh, they're, they're very close to me. There's people that I would love to see, but if you took them away, heaven is heaven because the man who died for me is there. Sometimes we forget. We, we, we think that heaven is going to be because there are guilty people there. My friend, tell me, what could be better than being in a place where you are forgiven? Where you are loved without reason? And so this man, if anything is saved or anything is talked about about him and that it could be said about us, it's this, that he is guilty. That he's guilty. That without doubt. We don't have to wonder about that. And I would say the same thing about us, that if you've never had a moment in life, some people tell me, I got saved 
And I would say, what were you saved from? Listen, my friend, there's only one thing to be saved from. Saved from sins. Saved from an empty life. Saved from going through this life without Christ and with some other form of a salvation, right? Being saved through your own righteousness instead of God's. But this man was guilty. Second of all, one thing that would be needed in this man's salvation and would be needed in yours is a willing Savior. A willing Savior. Have you ever done something for someone when you know that they couldn't pay you back? Okay, no one nodded their head. I would encourage you to go out this week. Just make it a point. Do something for someone with the absolute knowledge that they can never, ever pay you back. Never. And you say, well, what would that prove? It would show you what Christ did. Sometimes, and I know people, because you know what? The earth is littered with them. They're trying to pay God back for His salvation and hope of getting it, right? They go, yeah, Jesus Christ died. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do my best to get into heaven. What are you trying to do? Pay Him back? You say, God did something and He sent His Son. And I would ask you, I think we asked it on the first night. There are people here tonight, and you've heard this message a ton. You've heard this a lot of times, and you would say, you're still not willing to believe. And if I could just get you to agree with one thing, maybe I would get you to agree with something else. And I would ask you, did God give everything when He gave His Son? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. He gave everything. If I could get the whole audience tonight, if I could get everyone just to give me a head nod, did God give everything when He gave His Son? Yes. Yes. What are you going to give? What are you going to add to that? If heaven was empty for you, tell me. Tell me what else you want to add to that. Please, write it down on a piece of paper. Just add it to Scripture. Where your Bible ends right here, Just you, you slice a page right in there and say, this is what I'm going to add to it. Because God didn't give enough to save me. But if God did give enough to save you, then my friend, how come you're not saved tonight? How come? If God willingly saves people because they're guilty, and there's not a single innocent person here, if God saves guilty people, and He does it without them asking... He does it without, you know, it's as though we've achieved this somehow. That because I've done good enough. No, no, this, this criminal, this criminal who goes to heaven. You say, Christ willingly. You know, when he was led there to Calvary, it says that he was led as a lamb that was silent. When they accused him of things that he hadn't done, he was silent. But he opens his mouth for a criminal he had never known before. He opens his mouth for a sinner there at Calvary. And he says to that man, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today. He opens his mouth and he addresses this man. He didn't have to. He never had to. We would have lost nothing except for Luke 23 if he had never opened his mouth, but he did. And my friend, if, if you don't believe this tonight, it would be a shame. And it would cause a lot of people around you sadness and sorrow. But God still would have died for your sins even if you didn't believe it. That's the tragedy. Is that heaven's population has one thing in common. That Christ died for their sins. Hell's population has one thing in common. That Christ died for their sins. But some people want it and some people don't. Some people said it was enough and some people sought to add to it. Christ willingly saves people. 
No one had to beckon him. No one had to petition him. No one had to force his hand. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He did it willingly. So the two things that are same about this criminal who went to heaven and are the same about me is that he was guilty and that Christ saved him willingly. You want to know what the greatest thing about this story that is the same about this man and about me? The Lord Jesus died at Calvary at about 3 p.m. And we know that the, 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 the thief, he was still alive. He was still alive. And when he, when he looked at the Lord Jesus on that center tree, he would have seen a dead man. And you could have imagined that if someone approached that thief that day and said to him, Hey, I, I heard the conversation that you had with the man on the center tree. I, I heard him tell you things and you were responding to him. And, and, and you could have said, Are you really... Where are you going when you die? If, if it was the preacher who could address the thief on the cross, and the man would have said... I'm going to paradise. I'm going to heaven. And you would have said to him, almost mockingly, said who? Said who? Said Jesus Christ. You want to know why I'm going to heaven? Because Jesus said so. Christ said to this man, today you'll be with me in paradise. He had the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did he have anything else? No. He had no final rites. He had no, as it were, final mass. He had no Bible in his hand. He had no other hope than the words of Christ. And so I would ask you tonight, could you rest on that? That's all. Just just the words of the Lord Jesus. The words of Christ... You say, is, is that all it is? Sometimes I, I, I've mentioned to people and they say, you know, it just, I, it just struck me that way that that's all you do is you rest on, on someone's words. And this man, you could say, what is the surety you have of heaven? And he could say, the fact that Jesus Christ told me so. The fact that Jesus said. I, it, nothing else. It wasn't based on his feeling. I'm sure he felt awful at that moment. Crucifixion. And you could say it, it couldn't have been based upon anybody else because Mary was there at the cross. She never said anything to him. There were priests that day at the cross. They could say nothing to him. He took the words of the one man who was dying for him on the middle tree. He said, you say, oh, Dave, if Jesus Christ could say something to me, if he could just make me sure. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said, He who has the Son. You say, Jesus says, believe on Him. Jesus said, for God so loved the world, He gave His Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, Him that comes unto me, I will never turn away. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, they shall never perish. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. No man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Jesus has said. What would it matter if I told you anything else tonight? Listen. Say there's a billion people in heaven. I hope there's two. I hope there's ten. I hope there's one more after tonight in the tent. That's what I'm really hoping for. But whatever the number is in heaven, whatever it is, if you're to ask them, what is your guarantee of being here? 
I would love to be there, and I will be, the day when in unison, if the question is answered or asked, what is the guarantee that you are here? It could just be in those two words, Jesus said. Because Christ died for sinners. I'm guaranteed of it in His Word. Anything else you have is not worth it. And anything else you have will perish one day with this earth. But this Word, it lasts forever. What we're just seeking to tell you tonight is that it's not worth being proud of whatever you have. It's worth it to be guilty tonight if Christ came into the world to save the guilty. And He would willingly save you. This is, this is not an achievement. This is not for earners and deservers. This is for believers and receivers. But that God does it and you can take Him at His word. You believe the words of men. Tonight, believe the words of Christ. Today. I like those words. Today you'll be with me. You know, the thief asked Him. He goes, remember me. I don't know if you've ever prayed. I know a lot of people here, you'd say, we, we often pray to God. And sometimes we ask Him for something and it's so vague, right? We just ask Him for something very generic and it's almost just like a shot in the dark, right? You say, just, if there's any chance, Lord, just, you know, you're almost like saying, you would never ask Him for something to happen tomorrow. You're like, make it happen in August, you know? Just, just give Him a lot of time so that it could be a bigger guarantee. This man, he just, it's almost like a shot in the dark. He says, Lord, just remember me sometime in the future, just when you come into your kingdom, just any time, remember me. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ still hasn't come into his kingdom, and it's almost 2,000 years later. You know, the thief still would have been waiting today. He still would have been waiting for the kingdom. And I'm sure he would have waited gladly. Sometimes we ask God for very generic things. We ask him just for a little bit of peace of mind. We ask him for a little just more peace in our day, for a little safety on the roads. This man asked God for something so generic. Lord, just remember me at some point in the next 2,000 years. And Jesus comes back and says to him, Today, a couple hours, you'll be with me at home. Instead of wondering what day you'll get saved in the future, if your life goes on for 20 or 30 or 40 more years from now, realize this, that the Lord Jesus Christ saves no one tomorrow. He only saves people today. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. But Jesus says today, you could be with me. And I don't know of anything else I'd rather tell you than that. That you could have the one man who died for you. You could know that he died for your sins, that he died instead of you. And that when Christ died at Calvary, he would have done it willingly if it was just for you. And you can have that truth tonight just by depending on his words and nothing else. Because that's how the first criminal got to heaven. That's how this criminal got to heaven. And if there's any other people in the meeting tonight and you're not criminals yet, if you're just citizens, that's how you'll get to heaven. Just depending on the words of Christ. As a guilty sinner, realizing that Christ willingly came into the world to save the guilty, to save sinners. If it's you tonight, it would be a grand thing to be saved tonight. To know it. Because it doesn't depend on you. You could lose everything. Matt has said it in other nights. Take the world. Give me Jesus. You could lose everything else tonight. But no one can take Christ. No one can take salvation from you. A man prayed in our prayer meeting tonight, what God does, He does forever. That's how God is. And when God saves someone, He saves them forever. 
because what Christ did is forever. And His Word is forever. And so tonight, if you want to be saved, you could depend on what Christ did at Calvary. And you could take His Word, and He would guarantee you that today, you would know your sins forgiven. You would know a home in heaven. Great to see everyone that's out tonight. That's a favorite hymn of mine. Uh, And uh, from where we sit anyway, we hear great singing. But I wonder if you've ever thought for a second, what will it be like to sing in heaven? Because that could be yours tonight. You can know that you're going to heaven. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we share the word of God, that a, a sinner can come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and know for certain that they're going to heaven. Now, I just have upon my heart today one reading, and that's in the book of Romans, and I trust it can be a help to you as we seek the words from Scripture. Romans in chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and you'll see another book there, and that's Romans. And we look at chapter 5. Interesting that Dave referred to this in his message. That's really how the Lord works. Romans in chapter 5 and verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, or in flawless timing, or in perfect timing, in God's timing, due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commendeth, or God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It just struck me recently as I've read Genesis, I can't tell you how many different times, but it struck me uh, on this particular point, and I'm going to read something in the book of Genesis, that when God says something in Scripture, it always happens. Every single time. I love that brother David said, and Jesus said that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save them that are lost. That's Christ that's saying that. I speak as a parent, there are many times uh, in my life that I will say something and my kids will come back to me and say, but dad, you said, usually that has to do with an ice cream or some date on a Friday night or, but dad, you said, and I can't commit to that because I've run out of time or whatever the case is. But when God says something, God commits. Notice in the book of Genesis, if you read Genesis in chapter one, and all I'm doing is reading scripture, this is what the word of God says in verse three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said it. Notice we continue verse six. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters. God said it. And it was so. We continue, verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And the Bible says, And it was so. It wasn't God said it, and then through time this just miraculously happened. God said it. 
Christ told the thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. God said it. And that thief is in paradise today because Christ told him that he'll be in paradise. There was never a time, uh, well, in time, uh, and there'll never be a time in eternity where God will look back at something uh, and, and it was sort of went unnoticed and he thought, well, wait a second, I never planned that. Everything that God says God planned and it will be so. When God's word says in the book of Romans and chapter 5 and we read it together that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God said it. You can rest assured in that statement. Matt didn't say it. The word of God said it. And he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. No wonder Paul is adamant here in Scripture. Listen to the words that we read. He says these words, but when we're yet without strength, he's saying, listen, when man has no hope, when man has no rest, when man has no peace, when man has no strength, these are the words we read, Christ died for us. For the ungodly. In other words, you and I have nothing to bring. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. I don't know if you've ever felt a time when you had no strength. Uh, But I played around with this workout called CrossFit. If you've ever done it, it's very humbling. If you think you're strong, try CrossFit. And you'll figure out you're not as strong as you thought. And we had this jumping thing where we did a jump from a standing position and we jumped onto a, a particular beam and then the trainer that I was with, uh, this is a couple years ago, he, he put a weight on it so it had a couple inches and he keep putting weight. And at the time, uh, I was jumping pretty high and um, I, he left and I thought, you know what, I'm going to put one more weight. And I'd done some squats and my legs were tired. I didn't know how tired my legs really were. And I, and I looked at that beam and it was about as high as I am, right? And I thought, I can get there. And I'd gotten close, right? I'd already done it two inches before that. I thought, I'll get it. My legs are stretched out. And I went to jump and I fell right on my face. I was without strength. If I had strength, I could have made that jump. I'd made it before and I thought, yeah, I did a couple squats. I can make it. But I actually fell and I I shattered everything. It's over here. Not broken, but it was all black and blue. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't wear shorts. It was just, I was a mess. You know what the problem was? I was without strength. I could not do it on my own. I would have needed that trainer to pick me up and throw me on top. Friend, if you're ever going to get to heaven, you need to realize one thing, you're without strength. You can't get to heaven your way. It'll never happen. It has never happened. It will never happen. And in the future, it'll never happen outside the work of Christ at the cross of Calvary. Period. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul here is saying, listen, that God commendeth. Listen to the words. When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He elaborates a little bit. He says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. He's saying, listen, for those that are righteous, that means they do things that are right. Let's just use that vernacular. Let's keep it very simple. There are some people that will give their life for that person. Then he brings it to another level. He says, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. You know as well as I do, there's a group of individuals that would lay their life down for our president. You know that. If there was a sniper and he was shooting, and they would run in front of that man and they'd take any bullet for that man because he's a good man to them, right? They're willing to give their life for that man. That's what this verse is saying. For a righteous man, for a good man, some would even dare to die. There are individuals, thousands, that have gone overseas and laid their life to set you free. To give you and I liberty. 
to allow you and I to go to school and, and to walk the streets of America and, and, and not fear a war coming here. They've given their life because you're a good person. Or they think you're a good person, right? They, that's what they're willing to do. They're willing to give their life. But listen, he says here in verse 8, but God, you know why he's saying but God? Because God's son gave his life for people that hated him. God's son gave his life for wretched sinners. Here it is. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I ask the question today, did Christ die for you? Because on August 19th, 2001, this man that stands before for you as a sinner saved by the grace of God, I came to trust that Jesus died for me. And I rested in that. That's all that was. I rested in a finished work. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, Hebrews tells us, sat down on the right hand of God. This man, one sacrifice for sins forever. That's Christ. And you can have that even today. And Paul here is saying, but God... It's an amazing display of love. Amazing. That God knew that men would spit on His Son, and yet He sends Christ. That God knew the violence that would happen at Calvary, and I'm being careful, there are younger ones here too, but but God knew all of that. And yet He sends the Son, and the Lord Jesus goes to the cross, and Isaiah, hundreds of years before crucifixion is even known, Isaiah says He's led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb, He opens not His mouth, never retaliated, never swore, never cursed. As a matter of fact, the only words that come out of the Lord Jesus Christ's mouth are words of love. They're words of forgiveness. So much so, he cries out a cry of mercy right before he tells the thief he'll be with him in paradise. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And God watches the scene at Calvary. And angels hover, hovering, wondering what's going to happen at Calvary. And the very creator of mankind dies for his creation. Once and for all. And it's over. He died and he was buried. And he rose again the third day. That's the Savior that we talk about today. But God. He commended His love toward us. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I just want to look at just a couple things here. You say, well, Matt, uh, why did God do that? Because there was condemnation. The Bible says that you and I are condemned in our sins. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. John 3 tells us we love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. The Bible tells us that our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know it? I was talking to uh, Allison's uncle back east. I said... Uh, Steve, you're such a good guy. And without blinking, he even blinked. Matt, my heart's desperately wicked. And he's right. I laughed. But he's right. Your heart and my heart is capable of the most darkest things you can even imagine. The Bible teaches that. They're desperately wicked. And out of the human being, the, 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 the soul that sins and dies, that human being just spews sin. Everything that we touch, it's sinful. Wrong motives, wrong thoughts in our heart. And we sin. The turpitude, if I can use that word, of mankind. It's dark. We're condemned already. We have sinners by birth. We're born in sin. The Bible tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Sinners by birth. Sinners by choice. I know individuals, and I speak even for my own self, uh, there are times that I have sinned by choice. I knew what was wrong, and I touched it, and I sinned. The Bible says you're condemned because of your sin. We're sinners by practice. He who sins, listen, is a servant to sin. Sinners practice their sin. They love, if I can even use that term, they love their sin. 
And the enemy watches. And he watches the sinner uh, sin. And he tells the sinner, you know what? The biggest uh, lie that the enemy has ever said is he says these words, You get saved. You get that matter settled. You come to Christ tomorrow. And tomorrow comes. You, get, you come to Christ the next day. You, and he has people pushing it off. And their individual friend with good intent. They've died and they've perished with good intent. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I had an individual. Uh, you talk about being condemned. There are kids where I grew up in, the, in northern Maine. And uh, we woke up one morning and my father's mailbox was absolutely shattered. Shattered. I mean, there was no box. It was gone. And uh, we waited a week. And sure enough, a state trooper showed up to our home. And a young man walked into our house. And he said, I need to, to confess something to you. And he stuttered. He was kind of nervous. And my dad was sitting there. And I grew up in a very a disciplinary home. Uh, <coughs> so anyway, the, the young man says, I need to confess something. My dad says, yes, yeah, spit it out. And the guy says, uh, I was the guy... Uh, that at 1 o'clock in the morning, my friends and I drove up to your yard, and I smashed your mailbox with my bat, and I smashed all the neighborhood, I mean for miles, we smashed all the mailboxes, and and it's a federal crime, right? (laughs) And I'm here to confess it. And my dad, without blinking an eye, and I was shocked, he said, ah, we're all kids, like, don't worry about it, we'll fix it. And I thought to myself, if that was me, (laughs) right? I would have been beaten an inch of my life, like it is over, right? If that was me. But this man, he's condemned. He he can't come and say, uh, you know what, I... They think it's me, but it's not. No, no, there's a book, and the state troopers are with him, and he's already gone to court, and he's looking at probation. He is condemned, and he's embarrassed. I ask you, does sin embarrass you? I could take you to a court scene in Phoenix. I was there for watching a, uh, an acquaintance go through the system for federal crimes. I sat there in the back, and if you've never been to a court scene, when the judge comes in, it's a solemn moment. They say, all rise, and there's respect. I don't care if someone says, you know what, I'll tell that judge where to go and how to get... No, no, it doesn't happen that way. That judge comes in, and people stop talking. And there's silence. It's deadpan. You can hear a pin drop. I watched these men walk in. They were all strapped in chains, and they walked down the aisle, and they all sat together, and then he said, rise. And he went by them, name by name by name. One man was covered head to toe in tattoos. He looked like the toughest of the bunch. My acquaintance was in that group too. And he was petrified. He had never been there before. And he was not in his element. This man seemed very comfortable with what, he was, what had just happened. Clearly had been in this situation before. And the judge called him to the bench. And uh, he read off the crimes that he had committed. And the man didn't say anything. And then the, the judge said, do you plead guilty or not guilty? And the man made the mistake of doing this. And he turned to the audience. And you know who was in that audience? His mother. And that man looked at his mother and a man that I thought for sure would never break. I'm talking about one of the toughest individuals I have ever seen. And I work with tough individuals in Chicago. This man, he wailed. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, crying or sobbing. or There's a difference when someone wails. He was broken. And he fell right on that chair, on that table. And he said, Your Honor, I'm guilty. And he wept. He was broken. He was condemned. There is no hope for that particular man. He has looked at someone that had trust and faith in him, and he knows that he's broken her heart. I asked an individual back in Chicago, uh, Washington State, a girl by the name of Amanda, I said, hey, did you grow up in a, we're talking about discipline. 
I was kind of laughing because my dad had actually made like a paddle, right? So he disciplined us kids. And uh, I said, did you grow up that way? She said, no, but you know what? If my father told me and I did something wrong and I sinned and my father said, I'm disappointed in you. She said, my heart was crushed. Just crushed. Condemned. I asked the question, friend, listen, forget who you sinned against on this earth. You have sinned before a thrice holy God. And the question is, is there any remorse? Is there any notice that, that we are condemned in our sin? And the Bible says, in our sin, we're destined to a perishing eternity. That's what the Bible teaches. But God, but God commendeth His love toward us. Notice here, it's not only a condemnation, but God presents the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ by a commendation. You know, if I told you uh, <coughs> that my wife and I met and... Um, Commendation here is demonstration. If I told you Allison and I met, and many of you know Allison, we've been married for 13 years, and when we met, every time she came to visit me, I slammed the door on her. And then she would come visit me, and uh, I'd throw food at her. I, I don't know, I'm making stuff up, right? Basically, I never treated her with any love, and then she loved me. You say, that is the most ridiculous story I've ever heard. No, there was mutual respect, right? There was mutual love. I realized that this person is my best friend and I treated her with love and she treated with me with love uh, and, and, and we, 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 we dated and we got married and, and we're best friends, right? We loved each other. You know the amazing thing about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is we hated Christ. We would have nothing to do with Him. As a matter of fact, Pilate stands before you say, oh Matt, prove that in Scripture because if I was there, I would have taken Christ. No, you wouldn't. No. The Bible says, Pilate says, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And the crowd cries out, Crucify him. We'll not have this man to reign over us. They couldn't wait, friend, to put their hands on him. And God watches as sinners with filthy mouths scream out, Crucify him. And those words float to the very throne of heaven. And the beauty is this. That God's plan of salvation is coming to fruition. And and all of heaven, the entire universe, is watching the Creator die for His own creation. God commendeth. God demonstrated. God loved us. We hated Him. He loved us before we even loved Him. He loved us in spite of our sin and, and, and shortcomings. He loved us without selfish motives. You ever have someone treat you really good, uh, but there's something deep inside? I work, uh, well, what I do anyway, downtown. I help individuals uh, get jobs. So they leave homelessness and they transition into society and they have some, a positive impact in society due to a job they have. or something. And, I, and I help fuel that. I can't tell you how many times I've had individuals come up to me and say, Hey, Matt, you know what they're doing? They're buttering up. Right? They say, Hey, Matt, we just got a whole load of pizza. Like we have... Uh, thousands sometimes of pizzas that restaurants will come and give to the mission in Chicago and they say hey we have some pizza your kids like cheese pizza right and I said yeah they do like I can buy my own pizza you know and they say well hey like come in the back of the kitchen and I'll give you three four pieces we're going to throw them out anyway bring them to Harrison and Hannah and then they say and it, it's without fail as I'm walking in the kitchen their arm goes around me and they say hey that job at UPS that you were talking about like you still have that connection you still get me in there like you kind of you know what it is uh, they're showing love but there's a motive there's a wrong motive. The motive is to butter. They could care less. I'm not saying everyone, but you know what I mean. The, the, the motive is wrong. God's motive, friend, was for you to love Him and to worship Him with a willing heart. God's motive was that the universe would, would come together at the cross and would realize their sins were paid for past, present, and future. That's the motive of God. It was a pure motive. God commendeth His love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Notice. 
The last one. There's a consummation at Calvary. But God commended his love to us. Now while we are sinners, Christ died for us. It's interesting. If you looked at consummation in scripture and you looked at all the different terms uh, that, or places where this is used in the King James Version, you would see it actually has different meanings. It means this. One, it can mean failure. One, it can mean uh, finalized. But I want to take out the thought of this. Completion. I ask you today, if, if the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has pre- been presented Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is that message a failure to you? Or is it a message of completion? And you say, Matt, you know what? I have come to rest in what, what has been mentioned in Scripture that Christ died for the ungodly. That Jesus died for me. You know what the thought of consummation and being complete? Let's track with this. And I'll do it as simple as I can for the youngest kids here. Allison and I uh, meet each other. And then we're dating. And we're talking and courting and whatever else that is. And then we get married. We're complete. See? Now, I know there's a couple that's going to get married here soon enough. And all of a sudden, you go from these two individuals with perhaps selfish things, and you become one. And you care about each other. I care about more about her successes than my own. We are one. We're consummated. We're, we're together. We're complete as one, one entity, right? That's the thought here. And the work of Calvary, friend, was completed. All the bulls, all the animals of the Old Testament, all the hundreds of thousands of gallons of blood that were shed for sins that could never take away sins forever. At the place called Calvary, Christ died for sins once and forever. And He died for you. I ask you, can you rest on those words? Christ, that we read it together, Christ died for the ungodly. Is there someone tonight, and you say, Matt... I'm ungodly. That's it. I'm not like God. I don't do righteous things. I sin. People don't know my sins. Uh, but I sin. You know, if I showed you something, it's interesting. We, we walk through life. We have costumes. We, we, uh, I, I might be smiling, but there's a lot of stuff going on in here. You know, the Bible says that God knows all your sin behind all those walls. Everything. If I showed you even myself and I said... Uh, if you look at what's, what I'm wearing, I'll do this. It's, uh, I wasn't planning on this, but I'm wearing a blue tie. I, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing navy pants, right? And brown shoes and a brown belt. And I match. And you said, oh, Matt, yeah, you match. But, but you don't know this, right? So look at my socks. I didn't have socks today. See? But they don't match. But you wouldn't know that. If I just walked around, you'd say, yeah, he looks actually, I hope you say, he looks, he looks sharp. He looks put together. He's there. My socks don't match. You know what God says? God looks down and friend, listen, regardless of what you have around, the suits, the fancy vernacular, the PhD, the, the house on the hill, the Lamborghini, it doesn't matter what you have. God says, sinner. He sees right through all of it. And he sees the true colors that you have and their wickedness. Our the best that we can offer, the Bible says, is this putrefying source. It's filthy. It's a stench to God when we offer what we have to Him. Let me close with this. We read these words in Romans 5 and 6. I'm just going to read the scripture here. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. The beauty of the gospel, here it is, verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us. It doesn't stop here. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to these words. Much more than, that's verse 10, 9. Much more than, being now justified by his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. We shall be saved from wrath through him, through Christ. For if when we were enemies, we're enemies of God. We are reconciled to God by the death of his son. I'm just reading scripture. You can track with me. Romans 5 and verse 10. We are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, it says again, much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. By his life. You know, there's a lady. I'll close with this story. 
If you read a book called Brands from the Burning, there's a book that's called that. There's a lady named Mary Loans. It's a book on people that have passed from time into eternity and they've caught their last words. Mary Loans uh, was suffering from an illness uh, of, of sort of gluttony and just just not really taking care of herself. And she's lying on this bed and a preacher came to her side and she was a bitter woman. And, the, and I read this whole story, just to say it's a three-page story, but, uh, and it's all sectioned off in different chapters, different people's stories. And the prisoner describes her as, as, as it wasn't her physical self that wasn't attractive. It was her bitterness. She was so angry with God because of her condition. And she laid there on her bed, and the preacher started reading the scripture. She said, I don't want anything, anything to do with that. I don't want to hear it. He said, yeah, but you have no strength. You're not going to heaven. He said, can I read you one scripture? She said, sure. And that's it, and you need to leave my room. He said, Romans chapter 5, and he read these words. And this is what struck her. When he came to this, for when you are yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And this Mary Loans, as she pointed to each person uh, in that uh, particular room, she said these words here. I walk. This is the first time. It's amazing, the grace of God. He saves her before she passes off. She says, I walk through the valley of peace now. Imagine... Do you have peace in your life? Because she didn't have it for her whole life. She realizes Christ died for her sins. She's too weak to be saved on her own. Christ died for her. Christ dies for the ungodly. She says, I walk through the valley of peace. And then she pointed to each person and she rested her hands on her chest and she said, meet me in heaven. And she died. She came to trust Christ. You can have that today. We sometimes think we're going to walk the plains of light, heaven. The question goes, will you go? Will you meet us there? I'm going to heaven simply because Christ died for me. And you can have that tonight before even the meeting's over. Let's pray.